Welcome to the 172nd episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions, our weekly look at college football, Major League Baseball, and the NFL. With all that content, let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com, starting in Major League Baseball, where Patrick went 3-1 and one in his Major League Baseball series weekend predictions, weekend series predictions, excuse me. Moving to NCAA football, Patrick went 3-1 and one with his weekend predictions. And moving to the NFL and staying consistent, Patrick also went 3-1 and one in his NFL predictions, meaning Patrick went 9-3 and three combined in this weekend's predictions, bringing him to a 479 and 328 overall record of 59.4% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your weekend predictions? Well, obviously, just judging by the record, I thought it was a pretty good week. Uh, in MLB, every series came down to the Sunday game, the final game of the series, unlike last week where every game or every series was done before Sunday. Uh, the Dodgers took two of three from the Cardinals, despite Albert Pujols hitting 699 and 700 in the same game. Uh, that was the only game the Dodgers lost in that series. They lost that one 11 and nothing, and then Cardinals only scored two runs and one run in the final two games of the series. The Angels took two or three from the Twins. That was a series that I obviously did not want to predict, but had to because of a lack of good series this weekend. Uh, but I picked the Twins. They lost. Then the Padres took two of three from the Rockies. I got that series right. And the Giants took two of three from the Diamondbacks, which I also got right. Uh, in college football, I was pretty pleasantly surprised. I've been sticking to the same formula, you know, pick one road team every week. And then, well, actually... I did, I did go against that formula, and it's ironic because Texas Tech beat Texas in overtime, and that was a home team. I normally pick three home teams and one road team, and Clemson was kind of my designated road team this week. But then when uh, the rest of the schedule came out and I was looking at things, it was really hard to uh, pick a fourth game, whether it be Minnesota-Michigan State or Texas Tech-Texas or even Duke and Kansas. There were a lot of games that were kind of in contention for that with Texas really being the only team that had a ranking next to their name, although a lot of people will tell you that doesn't mean that much, which is probably true. Uh, but I ended up picking that one just because of that recognition with the name and the ranking there. Uh, got that one wrong, but that's okay because I got the other three right. And then in the NFL, uh, all these games were close, some of them for better reasons than others, I should say. I mean, the Packers and the Buccaneers both looked pretty terrible offensively. The Rams did not look quite in sync, but at least good enough offensively to beat the Cardinals. I got that right. Uh, I had the Packers beating the Buccaneers because of all the injuries they had. They ended up even more injured than I thought they were. Uh, and then you had the Broncos beating the 49ers and probably what will most likely remain the ugliest game of the season. Uh, and then the Bills obviously could not spike the ball twice at the end of both halves, lose by two. Uh, it was a, uh, it, it was just not a well-played game from the Bills. And, uh, that is something that they're going to have to deal with. But for now, they're 2-1. and one. They'll play Miami again at home later in the season. They'll look to right the ship there and uh, just keep winning in their other games. And the Dolphins will uh, play some tough matchups coming up, but we will see what happens with them and if they're able to stay undefeated. All right. Well, well uh, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website on Thursday. With that, uh, let's move on to our weekly look back at NCAA football action, week four of NCAA play, not counting week zero games. 
Patrick, what are your thoughts on the best games of week four in college football? Well, I thought for the first one, you have to go with number 23, Texas A&M, beating number 10, Arkansas, 23 to 21. This game was uh, back and forth. Arkansas jumped out to a 14 to nothing lead, but A&M had it down to 14-13 by the half, scored 23 unanswered, and by the time Arkansas was attempting their comeback, they had scored a touchdown to bring it within two, but they missed the field goal off the top of the upright, something you uh, don't see very often. I don't think I remember ever seeing that before, uh, but, you know, it happened in this game, and that's what's important. Uh, that was also one of the games I predicted. I predicted Texas A&M in that game. I think I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, and then another game that I predicted, Clemson went on the road and beat Wake Forest in double overtime, 51-45. to 45. Uh, Wake Forest was shredding Clemson through the air on their RPOs, and then Clemson just dropped so many people in coverage that Wake Forest basically didn't pass, pass like maybe the fourth quarter. Um, and it actually came back to bite them because then Clemson kind of corrected enough. Wake Forest thought they had Clemson overcorrecting, but Clemson did correct just enough by the time it got to overtime. We're able to get a few stops there. And uh, they were able to get the game-winning stop that they needed and win that game in double overtime. And then you had Texas Tech beating Texas 37-34 to in overtime. Obviously, that's going to knock Texas out of the rankings in all of the rankings. Um, it probably won't bring Texas Tech into the rankings, but they're still actually a better team than I expected. Uh, their win over Houston and the win over Texas are both wins that... Yes, they definitely were winnable games for them, but I wouldn't have expected them to win both. Although I'm not really sure who they lost to, which kind of makes that worse because uh, I thought those were their two toughest games so far, but apparently someone else tripped them up. Uh, but look, this was a close game throughout. Texas had control of this game. They were up 24 to 14 at the half, uh, but Texas Tech came back, scored 10 in both the third and the fourth. Texas not able to get... I mean, to use a baseball term, enough insurance points uh, to close out the game. They only scored 10 in the second half after scoring 10 and 14 in the first two quarters alone. Uh, and that ended up being their downfall. They just weren't able to close Texas Tech out enough. And Texas Tech took their opportunities, got their way back into the game and played it all the way until overtime. Yeah, and Texas Tech's loss, uh, not a bad one to uh, NC State. Who's okay, that's I, I was about to say, I feel like it was someone good, though. Yeah, but... knocking on the door of the top. Top 10, if not in, in some people's book. Uh, and that was a road game. So that's their only loss of the season. All right, let's move on from the best games to the biggest upsets. Well, there were two very obvious ones. Unranked teams on the road against ranked teams. We will start with the most shocking one, I think you can say. Middle Tennessee beat number 25 Miami, 45 to 31 on the road. Uh, at the beginning of the game, we were on the phone. I was joking about, Oh my God, Middle Tennessee is beating Miami. This is definitely going to actually happen. Um, and then did, which is extremely embarrassing for Miami. Uh, another year that Miami is back and Texas is back. And both of them are not good at all. So we can put that away uh, if you hadn't already in the preseason. Uh, but I still want to know who voted Texas number one in the coaches poll. But that's a different story. Uh, Miami, they just looked out of sync on offense to start this game, scoring three points in the first quarter, 
Uh, they turned the ball over on downs a lot in this game overall, and especially in the first quarter, I think they did twice. Uh, they went down 17 to three and, you know, they scored touchdown. They made it 17 to 10. You thought they were going to bring it back. And then all of a sudden middle Tennessee just kept scoring and they wouldn't stop. And uh, they end up with that 45 to 31 win over the hurricanes. Uh, then you had Kansas state who won 41 to 34 over number six, Oklahoma on the road. You would think that one would be more shocking, but Kansas State is a dark horse team that should be good in the Big 12 this year. And Oklahoma historically, especially recently, just for some reason can't beat Kansas State. I don't know what it is, but this is the team that every year, if you were to pick Oklahoma to lose one game and someone gave you the option of anybody on their schedule, if you had picked Kansas State the last like six or seven years, you would have been right at least 50% of the time because for some reason, this team always finds a way to at least play them close. If they don't, they just straight up win the game. And that is what happened. Adrian Martinez, uh, the transfer from Nebraska, came in at Kansas State and led them to the victory over Oklahoma that he was not able to achieve at Nebraska. Uh, but that doesn't matter to him anymore because Kansas State is going to head into next week ranked, I believe. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think they will, I, I, again, I think this is a team that, maybe not can contend for the big 12 title, but they're, they will surely factor into the race and uh, they'll have their say in who is going to be in that big 12 championship game. All right. Well, uh, uh, Miami gets a bye week probably at the right time. And then uh, Kansas state plays that Texas tech teams. So a couple interesting games for the teams involved in big upsets uh, on opposite sides of the ledger. Let's move on to the most impressive teams of the week. Well, Tennessee for me, uh, I didn't think Florida is as good as we thought they were after week one, but the relentlessness of Tennessee's offense still was something that was very impressive to me in this game. They really just don't stop scoring. I mean, it was the same story in the pit game. It doesn't really matter how good the team they're playing is. They just find a way to score and they just keep doing it. Um, and then you go to Ohio state beating Wisconsin, putting up 52 on Wisconsin. Yes. Wisconsin is down this year. This isn't as good of a team defensively, uh, offensively for sure. But scoring 52 points in a conference game without your number one receiver, who I picked to win the Heisman and was like third or fourth in odds to start the season, it's not a small feat. I mean, this performance was just way more indicative of what Ohio State could be than their opener against Notre Dame was at home. The season opener, the season home opener, whatever you want to call it, was definitely uh, less impressive by far, especially now looking at how bad Notre Dame is, um, than this Big Ten opener was for Ohio State. And I think, you know, they were definitely trying to send a message here. I mean, why wouldn't they? Uh, but the message was sent, and I think it was received across the country because, honestly, out of the big three teams, between, I mean, Alabama demolished Vanderbilt, but that's not really surprising. Georgia was played a little bit close by Kent State. So Ohio State's kind of starting to, poked their head back into that conversation of being up there in the top two again after they had been demoted in the early weeks after playing Notre Dame a little bit too close and just generally not looking like the team we thought they were. And then finally, Kansas beating Duke. They have really put together a good resume, which is why I ranked them. Uh, I will say, though, social media might be overhyping this team, but the college football actual media is certainly underrating them by leaving them out of the rankings entirely. I'm not so crazy that I think they should be – I'm not going to compare their resumes with NC State, who's kind of has a weak resume but had high preseason expectations and 
a good team last year. I'm not going to compare them to teams like that and say that they should be anywhere near the top 10 or the top 15. But I, 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 I welcome the argument that they should be a top 20 team. I personally have them in the top 25. I'm not going to move them that much higher within the top 25, but I think 24, 23 is about the spot I have them at, or I have them at 24. I know that, but I think that would be the most accurate spot for them at the moment. But if someone wants to put them higher, sure. But leaving them unranked, honestly, I don't think that's an accurate representation of this team. They have actually played a much better schedule. Uh, they beat Houston on the road. They beat um, they beat Duke this week, obviously. So they played three power three, power five teams. I forget the other team they played. Well, Houston's not a power five team, but they're a power six team. Uh, if you go by the Americans' definition of that. But I, I really do think that Kansas is deserving of a little more hype considering the schedule they've played and the fact that they are 4-0 with that schedule. I think that wasn't uh, something that I, expect, that I expected, and this game was another game of proving that. So that was a, an impressive win for me, too. Yep, Kansas' another win at West Virginia in overtime. There you go. That's the other so, one. Another win over Power 5 program. Right. All right, let's move on to the best road wins of last weekend. Number 15, Oregon, beat Washington State 44-41. to Washington State obviously pulled off that upset at Wisconsin. Uh, but look, Oregon, really the story in this game was the comeback. They were down 34 to 22 in the fourth quarter and they scored three straight unanswered touchdowns before Wazoo scored a meaningless touchdown with one second left to bring Oregon's lead down to three. Although Oregon was only uh, up by three and they actually got a pick six on what would have been Washington state's game winning drive if they had converted it. And then after that, Washington state then drove down the field and uh, they were able to get that uh, touchdown to cut it down and annoy Oregon betters, but that's about all they did with that touchdown. Then Minnesota beating Michigan State. Look, Michigan State so far looks horrible overall. That is a fact. But Minnesota used this game to prove on a national level when people were watching that this team could be dangerous. I mean, everybody knew it was going to be a good matchup, or everybody thought it was going to be a good matchup, I should say, because it was not a good matchup. Minnesota absolutely overmatched and dominated Michigan State in this game. But people thought it was going to be a good matchup, and that was enough to get people watching it. But at the same time, Minnesota just came in and dominated, and now people are really seeing what this Minnesota team has to offer. Uh, this is the win that I think, you know, they, they played three horrible teams. I think actually none of the teams they played have a win other than Michigan State. And at the same time, Michigan State's only two and two, but it was still an impressive win. They needed it to kind of, prove themselves it was their proving grounds game and they did very well in that yeah uh wasn't even a game and maybe michigan state and miami should play each other uh two both teams two and two with high expectations heading in yeah i know it was a one and done they if they did a home and home we could have a uh we could have kind of whose season is over in week five matchup uh miami has a bye week although michigan state does play this weekend Michigan State about to head into a really brutal stretch of their Big Ten schedule, too. So uh, they got to right their ship quickly if they want to have a, a season close to what everybody else thought. All right. Any other quick takes from across uh, college football week four action? Well, I talked about Georgia and Alabama already. So let's go to the rest of the top 10 teams. USC's vaunted offense did struggle throughout their first Pac-12 game on the road, but they got 14 points in the fourth quarter when they needed it the most to win 17 to 14 at Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State's not a horrible team, so being being close in your first conference game against them is not terrible. Uh, it's not ideal, but it's also doesn't it, it doesn't mean that USC is 
not top 10. They're not top 15. They're terrible, whatever. They still look like a very good team. And uh, a lot of teams haven't really proven themselves so far. So I think they're still probably the most proven out of any of those teams that are maybe in the 10 to 20 range to start the season uh, that have crept into the top 10 now, maybe outside of Tennessee, who's played that very tough schedule. Uh, But Michigan, they also did not have the cleanest win against Maryland, but similar to USC, they took care of business and now move on to their first road game of the season against a tough Iowa defense uh, that scored more points than their offense did last weekend. Yeah, uh, th- this is what happens when teams get into conference play, right? Games get tighter, opponents know you better, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of top, a lot of top teams this week uh, struggle with closer games. So uh, I would also argue that Michigan game um, was a, was not quite as close as the SCS. He had to come from behind. Michigan had to uh, make sure Maryland didn't come from behind. All right, that wraps up our look at college football week four action. Let's move to our weekly in-depth review of Major League Baseball, starting as always in the American League East. The New York Yankees are on top in the AL East. They are 94 and 59. They have finally officially clinched a playoff spot. Uh, We, for a lot of the year, thought they were going to be the first team to do so. They instead became, I believe, the third or fourth team. I don't know if they were quite ahead of the Guardians or the Mets. Uh, I know they were behind the Dodgers and the Astros, but I don't know about the other two. Uh, But look, the Yankees, they took care of their business. They avoided the collapse that we all thought was coming after a while. Um, but while I was thinking that the Rays might win that division, come back and whatever, the Yankees were so bad for so long as a team that has way too much talent to be that bad for that long. So I'm really not surprised that they pulled it back together. This is what you should expect from that team. Uh, I don't think them pulling it back together makes them the prime world series contender in the AL. I mean, I could even, you could even make the argument that the blue Jays within their own division are a better contender just off the fact that maybe if their pitching can step up, they can match the Yankees in that respect and have a better offense, which they do. Uh, but look, it's not it's not doom and gloom for the Yankees anymore, but it's also not they're dominant and they're scary anymore. They are The Astros are certainly looking better than them, looked better than them even when, uh, against them, I should say, even when the Yankees were playing at their peak and on pace to set the wins record and everything. But moving on to those Blue Jays, maybe their offense isn't quite as good as the Yankees, but it can be, and it certainly has the potential to be better. Uh, They are 87 and 67, seven and a half games back. Doesn't matter, obviously, because the Yankees are going to clinch that division pretty shortly. Uh, But they've won three in a row. They're six and four in their last 10. They beat the Yankees, I believe, last night. And uh, that's still a good sign for the Blue Jays because they need... They still need to rack up wins. They want to make sure that they're hosting that wild card series. Uh, and right now they are in position position, sorry, to do so. We will talk about how in position they are in a second. Uh, but the Rays are at 84 and 69. They are 10 games back of the Yankees, two and a half back of the Blue Jays. Now all of a sudden they are no longer in position to host that wild card game. And it doesn't really look like they will be that team. I really think that the Blue Jays have kind of I wouldn't say wrapped it up entirely, but they seem primed to take that spot instead of the Rays. And then you have the Orioles at 80 and 73, 14 games back in the division. Uh, Only four, well, they're three and a half games back of the final wildcard spot currently held by the Mariners, but we'll get to more of that later. 14 games back in the division. They're only five and five in their last 10, though, so they're not quite playing at the pace that they would need to to, kind of overcome their early season deficit that they 
obviously shortened all the way to like one and a half games at some point in the season when they had their two long winning streaks and hot streaks in a row. Uh, but since then, they've kind of only just been good. And good is not good enough when you dug yourself into that big of a hole at the beginning of the year. Uh, and then you have the Boston Red Sox, who are 72 and 81, 22 games back. I believe it was you who predicted that they would have the biggest fall off from last season to this season. It was one of us. I think it was you. It was me. Yeah, uh, you're right. They are eliminated from the playoffs already, eliminated before even the Twins, although that's more of a uh, – actually, no, that's not related to the revision. But eliminated before the Twins, uh, the Guardians, who weren't supposed to make the playoffs, obviously are in the playoffs, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the Red Sox won't be eliminated before the Orioles. Uh, the list goes on and on of teams that they are eliminated before who they were supposed to be better than. I mean, you could even go to the NL and say that the Giants are even not eliminated yet, although that will happen and probably probably happen today, honestly. I don't know their magic number to be eliminated. No one really cares because we know they're not making the playoffs. That was my uh, other but, team. Yeah, that was your other team, which we will we'll get to that one later. Uh, but that one may be more predictable. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it for, for this division, the Red Sox getting eliminated as the first team here. I mean, they couldn't have done it in better fashion, losing six in a row, uh, a bear, narrowly avoiding a sweep at the Yankees, I believe, uh, and dropping a fly ball to, uh, to really put a bow on everything, dropping a fly ball, and letting a run in for the Yankees in that series on Sunday night baseball before that game was called off due to rain. All right. Well, you've talked a little bit about the guard. Guardians, but let's move to the central quickly. Yep. Now we can actually talk about them in full. The Guardians have now clinched the AL Central, the second team to clinch their division in the AL after the White Sox lost six in a row and the Guardians won seven in a row. So at some point earlier this week, or maybe I guess last week, probably, uh, the White Sox were 76 and 71, and the Guardians were 79 and 67, which I think is a three and a half game difference or a three game difference. Not that big of a difference between those two teams. And then just all of a sudden, the White Sox just imploded while playing the Guardians. Um, and the Guardians just kept going and kept winning. They're 9-1 in their last 10 in addition to that seven-game winning streak. And uh, as a result, they have left the White Sox and the Twins, who have had a long, sustained collapse. Uh, they're 10 games out of the White Sox, 12 ahead of the Twins. The Twins are now 74-79 and 79 after that weekend series loss to the Angels. They are two and eight in their last 10. And I bet you can go back some, a few weeks, maybe three, four weeks. And this team might be at least bottom three in the AL. I mean, they have had, they were in position to win this division only a few weeks ago and to see them 12 games back. I mean, look, the White Sox weren't even supposed to be ahead of the twins probably three or four weeks ago, but all of a sudden the White Sox are ahead of them even after losing six games in a row. So, uh, the Twins have just had a monumental collapse. I mean, they were in control of that division for all the year, and now all of a sudden, here they are under 500, no shot at making the playoffs. Uh, then you have the Royals and the Tigers who have already been eliminated, so I will stop talking about the AL Central. Yep, let's quickly move to the West, and let's not talk about the teams we said we weren't going to talk about anymore. Yep, Houston Astros at 101 and 53. They have clinched the AL West and a first-round bye. Uh, they have not clinched the one seed yet in the AL, but they are pretty close to it, as far as I can tell. Then you have the Mariners, who are 17 games back at 83 and 69, but they are most important in the wild card race, although they are they are only three and seven in their last 10. So they kind of left the door a little bit open for the Orioles to maybe come through. There might not be enough time in the season left, though, 
for the Orioles to be able to capitalize on that opportunity while the rest of these teams have been eliminated already. So we're going to skip over them. And let's skip right to that wild card race. In that wild card race that we were talking about, the Blue Jays are now three games up on the Mariners with for the last spot in the wild card, and they are two and a half games up on the Rays for hosting that series between the top two wild card teams. The Mariners are in position to play against the Guardians on the road, uh, and they are 83 and 69, which leaves them just three and a half games out of the Orioles. As I said, maybe if the Orioles were seven and three in their last 10 instead of five and five, and they had capitalized on the Mariners' little slump that they're in, they could be in position to take this spot. But going five and five when they kind of had that deficit to start with, it, it won't be enough to keep them in contention. And uh, they are most likely not going to make the playoffs, although it would be a great story if after all this, the ultimate underdog story happened where. Now with the Mariners having, I think, a 99.8% chance to make the playoffs, according to ESPN, and the Orioles with only a 0.6 chance, it would be amazing if the Orioles were to somehow pull that off and uh, knock off one of those teams and get them out of the playoffs. That would be the ultimate underdog story uh, and the best ending possible to this whole saga of the Orioles' rise this year. Yeah, and all the Orioles got to do is win two games and they'll be above 500, which should be a win for them and and have bright future for the long-suffering baseball fans in Baltimore. All right, let's move over to the National League starting in the East as well. Well, both of these teams have now clinched playoff spots. The Mets and the Braves, obviously the ones I'm talking about. Mets at eight and two in the last 10. Braves at seven and three in the last 10. Both teams are on fire. The Braves are one game back of the Mets, uh, but they have now fought, by the way, finally, this, this series isn't a, or this division isn't something and a half games back. The Braves finally played that makeup game that they needed to play was against the Nationals. And this weekend, there was a series between the Mets and the Braves that will in all likelihood decide the division. Uh, If it doesn't, we'll see some interesting scenarios where both of these teams are playing other teams and just hoping that one team will lose to whoever they're playing and the other team will lose and they'll be able to win against whoever they're playing. I believe both of them play. I think one of them plays the Marlins. One of them plays the Nationals. Uh, So it's honestly not too tough for either of them, but at the same time, still possible, you know, you might run into Sandy Alcantara just pitching a complete game and all of a sudden that could lose you the division. There are scenarios like that out there up at the Mets at 97 and 57 and the Braves at 96 and 58. The Braves did not, had not clinched before the podcast last week, but now they have Uh, the Mets had pretty much just before. So not surprising that the Braves were shortly after them in doing so. Uh, but both teams will be in the playoffs. It's just about who will be the number one wild card spot and who will be the division winner and the two seed overall. Okay, let's move over to the central. Well, it's technically still a race. It's not really a race. Uh, the Cardinals are six and a half games ahead of the Brewers. The Brewers are still being given a 21.3% chance to make the playoffs, but that's mostly off the backs of the Phillies and the Padres' uh, ability to maybe choke away that spot, Uh, but the Cardinals technically haven't clinched this division yet. I think we all know that they're on the road to doing so. Their magic number is probably one or two at this point because we only have like a week left in the season. Uh, It's just this weekend and a few games next week, and they're six and a half games ahead, so I don't really see how how they haven't clinched already, Uh, but, you know, still haven't for now at 89 and 65, and the Brewers at 82 and 71. Uh, at six and a half games back, they'll they'll look towards the wild card as their real avenue into the playoffs. All right, let's move over to the NL West. Well, the Dodgers 
uh, tied their franchise record at 106 wins over the weekend. They're 106 and 47. Yes, that's a real sentence. Uh, they have clinched the number one overall seed, which uh, we would hope that that would have already happened with that kind of a record. Uh, they've left the Padres and the Giants in the dust. The, both of those teams technically not eliminated. Obviously, the Padres in prime position to make the playoffs, but the Giants going to be eliminated soon at 75 and 78. Uh, a similar fate that the Diamondbacks encountered after, you know, a strong end to the season, honestly. Uh, they went three and seven in their last 10, but they were on a roll for a little bit. They're 71 and 83. And they actually look pretty good going into next year because a lot of their guys are young and uh, they will get significant improvement in the offseason, you would hope, uh, just because of the fact that the team is young. And if they don't, that's a big organizational failure. And also this would be the opportunity to maybe bring in a free agent or two if you're Arizona. Uh, but the Dodgers, it will be if you count the COVID season and you actually looked at the pace that the Dodgers were on, they were on pace to win 116 games. So 106, 116, 106, 106 uh, are the wins for the last four years for the Dodgers if he went by pace in 2020. But still clinching that uh, home field and obviously the division a long time ago. Okay, let's talk about that NL wildcard race. The Braves are 12 games up on the Phillies for the last spot they will be the number one wild card uh unless it's the Mets obviously if the Braves are able to catch the Mets in the division then you have the Padres who are one and a half games up on the Phillies now for the second wild card spot and the Brewers just one and a half games back of the Phillies for that final spot uh they are six and four in their last 10 compared to the Phillies who were three and seven but the Phillies have run into the Braves twice uh in terms of I think seven games out of their last 10 so it's not too surprising that they've struggled a little bit because the Braves are one of the only teams in the NL who's still actually fighting for something uh, and they're better than the Phillies. Uh, but at the same time, Phillies need to work hard to keep that spot, not let the Brewers in. And the Padres need to make sure that they don't get swept by the Dodgers again so that they don't leave their playoff spot up for grabs. Right, that wraps up our look at major league baseball for the week. Let's move to NFL week three action. Patrick, what were the best games of this past week in the NFL? Well, the Titans beat the Raiders 24 to 22. The Raiders are now the only 0-3 team in football. Yes, that is a crazy sentence after they finally made their play made the playoffs, uh, beat that drought, and all of a sudden now they're the only 0-3 team already. Uh they're they lost 24 to 22, as I said. Last week they lost because of their failure to stop the Cardinals on two two-point conversions. And this week they lost because of their own failure to convert a two-point conversion to potentially send the game to, well, not to potentially, to send the game to overtime against the Titans. Uh, that is how they lost. Then you had the Colts who beat the Chiefs 20 to 17. The Chiefs really choked away this game. They were up 17 to 14. Uh, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty gave the Colts a first down on their final drive when they probably weren't going to get one. And the Colts took advantage to improve to 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the season. Yes, that's their real record. Uh, the Dolphins remained one of the only unbeatens, actually one of two unbeatens after Monday Night Football, uh, by beating the Bills 21-19. to uh, The Bills obviously were 2-0. I mentioned how that game was kind of poorly managed and uh, some the failure to spike the ball twice at the end of both halves uh, and not able to get the field goal if you're the Bills, and that's really the reason why they lost the game. Uh, although this game did give us the butt punt, so that was funny. Uh, but other than that, not really the cleanest game. A lot of injuries, too, and a lot of cramps in that Miami heat. Uh, then, finally, you have the Packers, who beat the Buccaneers 14-12. to 12. 
Uh, Tampa Bay getting a delay of game on the two-point conversion to tie the game. Not a great look for Brady and the Bucs, uh, but you heard Aaron Rodgers say that he actually knew the play call because the Buccaneers showed uh, their offensive coordinator calling the play on the Jumbotron, and Aaron Rodgers was able to relay the play to the defensive coordinator, which might or might not have messed it up. That's what he says. I don't know how accurate that is or if he actually had the right call or if Brady audibled for a different reason, but the audible came in. They didn't get the snap off in time, uh, and they ended up losing the game because they couldn't get that two-point conversion off. Not calling either of these teams impressive because both of them looked horrible offensively despite that being kind of the strength of those teams, although maybe, just maybe, the quarterbacks are getting a little bit too old, and now the Packers and the Buccaneers are defensive teams, which isn't too surprising because both teams have a lot of talent on that side of the ball, as well as having uh, a number 12 that is a legendary quarterback at the helm. Then you have the Vikings, who came back and beat the Lions 28-24, to despite being down 10 to nothing and 24-14. to This is a back-and-forth game. Uh, ended on the last play with a Josh Metellus interception, and really, it was back and forth the whole time, and the Lions just not able to close it out. I feel like we've said that a thousand times over the years, but uh, here we are again. Yeah, it looked like the Lions might be a little different team this year with a big lead, and then they blow it, and maybe it's the same old Lions. We will see. Definitely a great game. Let's talk about the most impressive teams from week three. Well, even though the Cardinals were lacking a lot of weapons, A.J. Green got injured during the game. DeAndre Hopkins was suspended uh, and some more uh, injuries that the Cardinals had. The Rams defense still put up a strong performance this weekend. Other than Marquise Brown, there was really nothing going for the Cardinals on offense. Uh, and the Rams were just able to keep chipping away. They never let the Cardinals score a touchdown in this game, which was, which was very, very important uh, because the Cardinals, if they had converted on any of their scoring drives, they had the same amount of scoring drives as the Rams. Both teams had four, but the Rams had two touchdowns and two field goals, and the Cardinals just had four field goals. That ended up being the difference in the game was the Rams bending but not breaking on defense. And then the Jaguars beat the Chargers 38-10. to even though Herbert was playing injured, this result was still very, very shocking. The Chargers defense somehow had no answer for Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, while the Jaguars defense was just dominant on the road uh, at the Chargers. They looked great throughout the game, and uh, the Chargers even fumbled away some opportunities to score at the beginning of the game, and they still put up 38 points on the Chargers defense. So uh, that's something they'll need to fix in the weeks to come. Then you have the Ravens beat the Patriots 37-26. to Their defense looks shaky but their ability to create turnovers left kept the Ravens in the lead after another great game by Lamar in that offense. Although it's hard to say Lamar in the offense when he has accounted for 89% of their yards this season, it's really just him. Uh, but his solo show has been working to the max this year to start the season. Okay. Any other quick takes from NFL week three action? Well, I would like to mention that the bears have quietly, albeit with an easy schedule gone two and one to start the season uh, and if Fields can start to play to his full potential, this team could continue their success when their schedule gets a little harder, because I will mention they have not played their best, but they are still two and one, which is surprising for a team that didn't have such high expectations to start the season. Uh, the Bills not playing. I mean, the Bills were playing great for the first two weeks, but even if they hadn't played their best, two and one is reasonable for them. But maybe for the Bears, it seems odd that they can not play well and still go two and one, although. Maybe this is them playing well, and if this is them playing well, they are not going to be good this season. Uh, but I still believe Fields can maybe play better than he has been currently and not succumb to the Ohio State quarterback curse. And if that happens, then the Bears can continue that success. 
And then I would have put the Broncos and the 49ers in best games by the score alone. But both teams played so horrible in that game that I decided it was disrespectful to the other teams to call that game one of the best of the weekend. Both teams looked completely lost on offense in the 11 to 10 uh, defensive struggle that looks like what we thought Iowa and Rutgers was going to look like over the weekend uh, on the college side of things. And a lot of people are just starting to call the Denver Broncos the Iowa Hawkeyes because there's a lot of similarities there, uh, except for maybe Iowa wasn't supposed to be good on offense, whereas the Broncos, after giving $245 million to Russell Wilson, were supposed to be good on offense. Uh, and then you have the Eagles, who talk about looking good. The Eagles continued to take care of business this weekend to move to 3-0 three, three on the season. They only gave up one touchdown at the end of the game to Washington. They won 24-8. to Jalen Hurts is kind of with Lamar leading the MVP race, you could say at this point, which is not a sentence I thought I'd be saying, uh, but Devontae Smith had a massive game in, in this one. And obviously the Eagles can still run the ball and their defense just continues to look good. They probably look like the favorites to win their division right now, especially after the Cowboys were able to beat the Giants on Monday night football and knock the Giants out of the ranks of the undefeated. So it's now just the Eagles and the Dolphins undefeated for the season. All right. Well, that wraps up our look at NFL action week three. It also wraps this edition of the fourth and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Tuesday, October 4th, where we will once again, recap Patrick's weekend predictions and have our weekly look at major league baseball week five of college football and the NFL. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his major league baseball power rankings that will be updated tomorrow his annual spreadsheet that predicted every college football game for the 2022 regular season, our college football week five poll that was posted yesterday and Patrick's picks for next weekend's games, which are posted as always on Thursday. All of that content is on our website, fourth and 24.com. That's the number four T H A N D the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.